Hi, welcome to The Innovation Game, a podcast by the full-service IP law firm Potter Clarkson. My name's Rich Wells, I'm a patent attorney at Potter Clarkson, and I'm honoured to be joined today by Tim Bubb, Technical Director of IMED Consultancy. Hi, Tim. Hi there. Thank you so, for having me on the podcast. Oh, no problem at all. It's great to have you here. So firstly, what do IMED do? So IMED are a regulatory consultancy uh, focused on medical devices and in vitro diagnostic products. So we offer a full range of uh, consultancy services going from the regulatory strategy piece all the way through to the regulatory approvals and the post-market considerations after you've got your products onto the market, how you keep those products on the market and any regulatory issues that you come across whilst doing so. So we help with those aspects and also on the quality side, making sure that where manufacturers are making products, that those products are able to be made in a way which meets all of the quality regulations on medical devices. Okay, so first things first, what is a medical device? Broad question. Good luck. Thank you. Um, So a medical device is everything from a wheelchair to a defibrillator, from a software application, uh, all the way through to a pregnancy test. So it's a very, very broad set of products. Um, And if you consider, if you go into a hospital, you'll tend to find that you'll see lots of equipment, you'll see lots of uh, beeping monitors, a lot of those products will be medical devices. Um, And what we tend to look at within what is a medical device is what is the purpose of the product? And if it's used to treat, to diagnose, to inform on a medical condition, quite often that will be a medical device. The key carve out from that is that it's not a medicine. So essentially everything that you see in a hospital that's used to treat a patient that's not a medicine is almost always going to be a medical device. We also have a subcategory of medical devices called in vitro diagnostic products. Uh, so those are a special type of medical device where you take a sample from someone's body and then you process it to give a result. So a really um, pertinent example of that of recent years is uh, a COVID test where you're using it to diagnose a disease or a condition using a sample from the body. Okay, one thing you mentioned within that list that was kind of interesting and maybe a bit of a surprise to me is is an app so an app can be a medical device yeah so this this is a really interesting and new area of medical devices where a lot of companies now are getting really interested in software applications that have health purposes to help improve lifestyle to help improve um outcomes from diseases and it's it's a really really interesting and evolving area now of medical devices so we're seeing a lot of companies coming to the market saying hey i've got this product what is it in the grand scheme of things is it a medical device is it a wellness product where does it fit into the general landscape of uh product regulations do i need to do anything or am i able to put the product on the market without uh very much um regulatory overhead before i first start Okay, yeah, I can imagine with apps that can be quite complicated. I guess we're going to talk a bit about, you know, what is the process later. But just to just to again set the scene a bit more, 
talking about approval and I guess people are familiar with approvals for medicines and maybe less so about medical devices. So firstly, you know, why is approval needed for these medical devices? So uh, approval is really, really important because ultimately for a medical device, we want to make sure that the product is safe, is effective and does what it says that it does. Um, if you consider a person in a hospital, if they have a medical monitor that's there to uh, help to identify if they've got a, a dangerous condition that's forming, uh, say, for instance, their heart rate drops, mm -hmm. you want that medical monitor to be able to correctly identify that drop in heart rate and to tell the healthcare professional there is a problem, you need to help to resolve this. If those products don't work properly, potentially there's a big impact upon the patient and their outcomes. So we're really, really interested as part of the regulatory approval of the product, making sure it does what it says it does in a safe and effective way. Yeah, I guess that, that's a it's a really interesting problem. As you were saying earlier, earlier the, the 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 range of medical devices is vast. So so I guess it's there's a lot of decision making to to be done. So you know, say I come to you and I'm like Tim, I think I have a medical device. And I'm fairly sure I need approval. You know, what needs doing? What's the what's the process that you'd go through with clients in that circumstance? So I think the first thing that we take a look at here is what does the product do? What is it intended to do? Uh, we use the term a mode of action. Mm. How does it do what you says it does? And what's the technology that's used to achieve that? Um, from that, we can look at defining what's called an intended use. Um, that intended use becomes the absolute cornerstone of uh, the regulatory approval process because what you claim the product does is what the regulators will be looking to see and for you to demonstrate to the regulators that the product is able to achieve that function and that purpose. From there, we then take a look at some of the kind of subcategories. So what patients is this product intended to be used with? What specific medical conditions is it used to help to treat, to diagnose, uh, or to assist with or alleviate? Okay, so you've kind of defined what your product does, defined, you know, I guess what the structure is, you know, uh, then you kind of go on to the assessment itself, I suppose. And 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 I guess that, that takes those first two steps. And, and how does that move on? So an, an app is a really, really good example of looking at a medical device and how you qualify it. So if we use this app as an example, you might have, for instance, something like an Apple Watch um, on your hand or perhaps even a Fitbit. That Fitbit um, tells you your heart rate, as an example. And that's that's a really good piece of data, particularly if you're, say, exercising. It'll tell you what heart rate zone you're in um, and it'll help you to train. And that in um, our regulated landscape, we consider to be a wellness function. So it doesn't come into the definition of being a medical device. Um, where we then start using that heart rate data to say, is this a heart rate that potentially has issues with it? Are there arrhythmias? Are there differences in the heart rate from one beat to the next beat where we identify that perhaps there's something that's not working quite right with the heart? Um, we're seeing now the likes of Fitbit and Apple coming out with new features of their product where they're moving from the wellness space into the medical device space by taking it from that general assessment of health 
to a specific medical indication. And in some cases, those are potentially going to be very helpful in terms of helping patients to know if, say, for instance, they've got a heart rate problem, they can go to their doctor and say, hey, my Fitbit has told me I have an issue with my heart. Can you take a look into this? And that may potentially result in that patient not having a heart attack or might not have uh, a serious outcome because they've known that they have a problem and they can then preventatively treat it before that problem becomes a bigger issue. Uh, no, I love that example because I suppose almost the, the, the hardware is very similar there. It's just about how this set of data is being used. And I guess there are, it sounds like there, there, there are these, essentially these grades of regulatory risk are there that the, and uh, that the, the um, regulators will need to look at. Yes, very much so. So medical devices, because they are such a broad spectrum of products, uh, the regulators have been pragmatic in the way that they assess the level of risk to the patient. So there's a different grading system that's used uh, compared to medicines where there is a essentially a, a classification of the level of risk from low risk, medium risk and high risk. Um, and depending upon how the product is used, where it's used, will define what that level of risk category is. So perhaps to give an example, um, we can use, say, for instance, a scalpel. That scalpel um, is used in medical practice to cut into the body. And quite often that scalpel will be in the lower risk area. But then if we have that same scalpel and we say that scalpel is to be used to cut into brain tissue, that's a much, much higher level of risk to the patient because the outcomes and the potential risks of using that product in that area are potentially more life altering. Mm -hmm. So there's there's a pragmatism in terms of how that product is used, where it's intended to be used and what level of risk that goes to. And scalpel is actually an example that I quite like because it's also a product that can have a general consumer application as well, because you can quite often use a scalpel for something like uh, crafting in your yeah. house. No, that, yeah, no, that, that, that kind of brings it to life. And so, so what I understand from this is you know, you've obviously got to sort of decide what the current function is, what it is and, and, and what it's meant to do. But then you've really got to be able to have a decent level of data in order to sort of assess this regulatory risk, which one of these these pools of sort of, you know, high risk, low risk it falls into. You know, how, how would you sort of advise companies to consider this this data issue? So the, the first thing really comes from that regulatory risk classification. So if you're a low risk product, um, the bar to enter the market is much lower than if you're a very high risk product. And I think that's something that you should expect, because ultimately, if you've got something like a wheelchair, which is low risk, um, the impacts and the safety issues that may result from that are much lower than, say, for example, a valve, which is used to replace part of your heart. Um, so the level of data is very much um, stage depending upon the uh, amount of regulatory risk the product has, but also what types of technological functions the product has as well. So for instance, if um, the medical device has 
um, animal tissues in it. Say, for instance, um, it's a it's a medical device that has um, parts of an animal that are used to help to improve the tissue uh, adhesion between a medical device and the body that it's going into. That incorporation of animal tissue potentially is something that is quite high risk on the the medical mm. regulators um, radar because of I think reasonably obvious reasons um, <laughs> and um, because of that there are special requirements that need to be met for those types of products um, it's the same for software apps there are particular standards uh, and one of the key things that is of interest at the moment is cyber security yeah. so you've got an That's application I wouldn't have even thought about <laughs> you've got an application and that um, potentially has got lots of very vulnerable health data in it that you want to make sure that data stays secure as the patient and very much the regulators also have an eye on that in terms of things like gdpr and um yes. how other regulations have evolved over time it all comes together into how do we keep this data safe as well as how do we make sure that this product is safe so it's it's looking at the specific technological character characteristics of your product um, in addition to the regulatory risk and also what your claims are. So that's that's so it seems like that basically the. The evidential burden as you on someone who's who's applying for this regulatory approval is is kind of almost dictated by what your product does. So you, you kind of need to understand this early in your data collection process? Oh, very much so. So what, one of the key things that we've seen as part of regulatory changes over the last few years in medical devices are that there has been an increasing emphasis on what we call clinical data. So that's proving in patients that your product works as you say that it does. So usually we would go through what's called a clinical investigation or a clinical trial to prove um, in humans that the product does what it says that it does and that can often be one of the critical data points as part of a regulatory approval and as we're seeing more need for that over time um, it's becoming one of the um, bigger hurdles to cross as part of your medical device regulatory approval so knowing whether you do or don't need to do one of those investigations becomes one of the critical decision-making points as part of your regulatory approval journey. Yeah, I can imagine if you just blindly assume that you don't, and then you turn up to the regulators with your sort of portfolio of information, and, and it turns out you do, then that, that's a bad day in the office, isn't it? Yeah, that's very much a bad day in the office. So if, if we consider a, uh, a clinical investigation, we'll quite often take around about four or five months to set up. Mm. Um, maybe six months to a year to conduct, uh, you're looking at potentially quite big delays to your regulatory approval if you haven't considered and determined whether you need to have these certain types of data. Um, so you can introduce quite significant delays uh, and business impacts as well um, if you don't consider upfront what your regulatory requirements will be and what specific bits of information you need for a successful regulatory approval. No, that's great. Thanks for that, Tim. So, you know, to sum up, what are your three take home messages for people listening? So I think the, the first point is really start the conversation early. So look into what regulations might apply to your product. 
Does it have a medical function? Does it have a wellness function? Are you looking to treat, to diagnose, to meet any of the kind of key things within the regulatory definitions um, that scope you into certain types of regulation? The second point is really around how we define what the product is now. So you might have um, a roadmap of various different changes to your product over time. The key thing is what is the product you are looking to get approved now? And then taking a look at that in terms of the intended use, the performance claims. Uh, and if we take an example here, um, you could be, say, for instance, looking to make a claim about alleviating symptoms. That's going to be an easier bar to cross um, in terms of the regulatory approval than, say, for instance, curing a disease. So these are really important points to take a look at first. Um, we then take a look at, as part of the third point, uh, identifying what data you'll need as part of your regulatory approval after having defined what regulation, what your product is, then we go into what data you need from that. So it's really taking a look at how do you demonstrate the safety of the technology? Are there any specific regulatory requirements that you need as part of the application of the product? Um, so it does what it does. How does it do what it does? What specific regulatory requirements does it need to meet as a result of that? And then we take a look at the scientific part of the equation. So how do you prove through scientific testing data the product does what it says it does and performs adequately? And then the final part then is really taking a look at do we need to do a clinical investigation or not on the product um, to prove that the product works in the real world? That's great. Thanks for that. Really clear, Tim. Really appreciate you joining us today. Thank you very much. And thanks to, to, to you for listening. Um, it's been the Innovation Game, a podcast by the full service IP law firm, Potter Clarkson. You can find more information about us at www.potterclarkson.com, more about IMED at imedconsultancy.com. And you can listen to this episode and all the previous episodes of the Innovation Game on Spotify, SoundCloud and YouTube. Thanks again for listening. Thank you.